Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We welcome in the executive VP and GM of the Baltimore Ravens. He is Eric DaCosta here on Sports with Coleman. His initial appearance, and we hope not his last. Eric, appreciate you taking the time. You are certainly not required to be here, but enjoy having you on the show, and thanks again. I want to begin with the draft and you know, the grades that come with it, the Ravens always seem to be in the upper echelon when it comes to that. How does that make you feel as the guy making the picks? Are you uncomfortable because of the pressure that brings with you? Or are you proud over the grades that you get nationwide? Well, that's a good question, Jerry. I'd say for the last, you know, 17 years or so, um, really working with Avi in a lot of ways to make the picks. What I've seen is that sometimes your best drafts or what you think are your best drafts actually end up not being your best drafts. And on the flip side, sometimes you come out of the draft and you're not sure, and then you look back three or four years later and those guys end up being rock stars for you. So I think history will judge the draft. What I can tell you is I'm very proud of the scouts and coaches that were a part of the process. Uh, we really did draft the, the players that we felt gave us the best chance to win games this year on Sundays. And, uh, you know, they're all great kids. Um, everything you look for off the field. We think they have the ability to play winning football. And we're just excited to bring these guys to Baltimore. Well, I have to tell you, after listening to your colleague Joe Ortiz speak the other day, I have a newfound appreciation for what you guys do and also appreciate the picks that you guys made, even though I second-guess some of them on draft day, like many. But, I, I, again, let's start with Kyle Hamilton taken in the first round at 14. No doubt he's a terrific player. But safety, as you know, was not a need based on what you had said previously. Uh, what happened there? I mean, because he was the best player available, you guys decided to go in that direction, even though it wasn't a pressing need? That's really it, I think, Jerry. Um, you know, just he was in a situation where he fell down the board. Uh, we've seen that happen a few times over the years. And in the end, we just felt that this guy was too good of a player to pass up. And in our division, what we see um, against some of these teams that we face twice a year, the weapons that they have on offense, this is a guy that will give us a chance to really play coverage football. He's a versatile guy. He's a good blitzer. He can play man-to-man. He can cover tight ends. He can play zone. He can play half the field. Um, he's a smart, cerebral guy. And, and for us, having a safety like him, a safety like Marcus Williams, uh, safeties like Chuck Clark, Brandon Stevens. Uh, it just gives us a lot of flexibility to do a lot of different things in the back end. Coverage was a big issue for us this year, and we feel like we addressed that this year. 
Well, as far as the pass rush, I know you passed on Jermaine Johnson on several occasions. I don't know if there was a red flag about him, and maybe he wasn't on your board. There was a report that he left the Senior Bowl early. I don't know if that was the case, but your buddy Joe Douglas grabs him from the Jets. I tried to ask Joe Ortiz. I was yelled at by Chad Steele about it. So why did you pass on Jermaine Johnson on several occasions? Well, I'm not going to specifically talk about Jermaine Johnson, but what I can tell you, Jerry, is this, and this is a philosophy that uh, we believe in very strongly. We're going, to bet, we're going to draft the best available player for the Ravens when we make the pick. And so um, given that circumstance, uh, Tyler Linderbaum was a player that we felt was a no-brainer for us, a guy that was going to come in and start from day one at center, smart, very, very tough, aggressive, um, a street fighter mentality, a guy that we feel, you know, is really going to make our offensive line that much better this year. Uh, it's hard to find these kind of players, one of the cleanest players in the draft. Uh, we've had great success over the years with Iowa Hawkeye offensive linemen. Kirk Ferentz happens to be a, a good friend of mine, and uh, we're able to get great information out of that school. And for us at the time, at pick 25, there was no question in our mind that Tyler Linderbaum really was the best pick to make. No doubt. As far as the center, I think he is going to be a mainstay. But as far as the pass rush, I know it's something you still may want to address, especially in this AFC. No matter how good the secondary may be, when you give a quarterback, as you know, uh, time to throw the football, there's no great cornerback or safety that can stop someone. So how do you address it? I know Jadavian Clowney is out there. Could he be a fit or some other free agents? Well, I think we addressed it in the draft, Jerry, with uh, David Ajabo. Uh, for Michigan, another pass rusher. We think one of the very best pass rushers in this year's draft. Um, were it not for the injury, of course, a serious injury, were it not for that, we feel like this has been a guy that we've been talking about at pick 15, um, 14, 15, 16, 17, any type of situation like that. Uh, extreme burst off the ball, good use of hands, closing speed, uh, a great plan. So for us, you know, looking at the injury situation, the Achilles injury, uh, we think a fairly predictable injury. We've had good success with that type of injury in the past in terms of guys coming back to play. And we think there's a pretty good chance this guy's going to help us this year. Uh, I would also say this. Um, the guy we drafted next in the third round, Trav- uh, Travis Jones from UConn, a very underrated inside pass rusher, uh, a guy that has the ability to get skinny. He's got an unusual blend of speed and quickness for his size. This guy's almost 330 pounds. We think he's going to really augment the pass rush on the inside. Not to mention, I do think, as you alluded to, there's a chance at some point that there's going to be an outside edge rusher at some point um, in the coming months that we could bring in who would have the chance to help us as well. Similar to what we did last year with Justin Houston coming in, I think, right at the beginning of training camp last year. And I'm glad you pointed that out about Travis Jones because that's one of the things I learned in hearing Joe speak about the number of snaps he played at UConn. He won't be asked to play that many snaps in the NFL, and I think that will help him. We're speaking with Ravens GM and Executive VP Eric DaCosta. Eric, with Marquise Brown, when did you start to detect that he was unhappy? Uh, we know that he scrubbed his social media. Was that the point in time, even though, as you had said before, it occurred? He was your first pick. You really liked him, and uh, it all didn't work out in the end, unfortunately. Well, you know, Hollywood's a guy that we thought he made a jump this year as a player. And then after the season at some point, um, and I don't know exactly when it was, he and I visited with each other, and, you know, his feeling was that he really felt he needed to make a change. So we continued that dialogue, Jerry, for probably two or three months, um, at which point I would say probably 
at some point in March around the owners' meetings, uh, Steve Kime and I, the general manager for the Cardinals, had the chance to talk a little bit down at West Palm at the owners' meetings about Hollywood specifically. And that was really when we started the uh, negotiation, so to speak, or at least the potential that Hollywood might actually be leaving us. And in my mind, it was going to be a situation where, listen, I didn't want to trade Hollywood, as I've said. Uh, this is my first pick. The talented player, this guy makes us better as a team. Uh, I wanted to make sure I felt a, a debt of obligation to the organization if we were going to go down that road that we would do the best possible thing we could and get the most possible compensation. So uh, that trade was actually finalized uh, the week prior to the draft, or just before the draft, I should say. It was very important for different reasons that we kept the trade as quiet as possible um, until we were on the clock or until we picked. And uh, i got to say I'm thankful to Steve Kahn, the general manager, who's actually a good friend of mine of the Cardinals in Hollywood, his agent, uh, for helping to keep this thing quiet enough that we could conduct business uh, on the first night of the draft. Well, while I don't grade drafts, I do grade trades, and you guys certainly won that one, so well done. But do you feel the need to, you know, fill the void left by Marquise? Well, we certainly do. Uh, and, you know, one thing, Jerry, that I've learned, and you've seen this too in your years covering the sport, uh, there's no perfect team. Uh, every team has a weakness. Every team has areas of the roster where they want to build and augment and improve. And, uh, and for us, we look at the receiver position. And, yes, we are confident in the young players that we have. But we will continue to look at players available uh, over the course of the coming months to see if anybody makes sense. Um, and that's what we'll continue to do with other positions as well. You've already mentioned pass rush. So uh, a lot of times what we see is one position becomes a strength, another position becomes a weakness. And that's the reality of you know, the salary cap age and that we live in so uh, we'll continue to improve the roster we think we've got a good opportunity to do that and we look forward to it in the coming months the way the wide receivers are being paid these days eric and the way you guys run your offense do you still feel like you'll be able to attract the wide receivers maybe you have in the past well you know i tell you this jerry one thing i've seen is uh, the wide receiver market is such that it would make sense for us to continue to add young players via the draft every single year. Uh, this year, not able to do it. Uh, the last couple of years, I think, um, I would say conservatively, we've drafted three or four, maybe five receivers in the draft. Um, we'll probably start up with that again next year as well because what we've seen is these guys that become good players, they command a lot of money, almost like quarterbacks. And paying a receiver, paying a quarterback, paying corners, paying pass rushers, Paying left tackles, what we see is you run out of money quickly. So having young players, I think that's one of the great values of the draft, always having as many draft picks as possible. Cheap labor on the first four or five years of the contracts is essential for teams that want to stay consistently good. Well, you mentioned the quarterback, so let's get to Lamar Jackson, and you talked about it the other day. You stay in contact with him throughout the offseason. Do you feel like there will be more contract talks upcoming until the season begins, or maybe you table that? And I don't know, do you talk with Lamar? Do you speak with his mother? You've talked about it being a unique situation. And how much is this Deshaun Watson deal really changed things around the NFL? We heard from Steve Bashotti about it. I haven't really heard what you have to say. Well, I've addressed it several times. Um, you know, it is a unique relationship. It's a unique relationship that is between me and Lamar. 
And what makes it unique, Jerry, really, is that Lamar is obviously the player, but he's also the agent. And so that's a different dynamic that, you know, in, in most cases, GMs never have to work through or work with. Uh, it, remi- it requires a lot of communication and transparency. And I would say this, we're very comfortable uh, at this point where we are with Lamar. Um, Lamar knows that I'm always available to discuss. Uh, we communicate frequently. Uh, I can't wait to see him. And I'm confident that at some point in the near future, we'll continue to talk about his contract in person, um, which I'm excited about. What I'm most excited about is that he's been working quite a bit. He's been throwing quite a bit. His body's feeling great, and we are very excited to see him. Well, I know you're not on Twitter. You may know a lot of people that are and probably heard about his reaction. Do we read too much into that? Was there a conversation afterwards about it? And do you anticipate him to attend the OTAs? You know, uh, you'd have to ask him more about anything he puts on Twitter. Um, I'm more of a pencil and paper type of guy <laughs> Yes. Uh, myself. I mean, I've been using the iPhone, uh, but I'm still kind of, my kids are explaining to me how that thing works. Do you accidentally um, FaceTime people like I do instead of calling them? That. Yeah, I've done that. And, and sometimes my, I'll tell you, Jerry, sometimes the flashlight on the back of my phone is on. That goes on with me too. Yeah, I, I need yeah. a course. Yeah, I do too. So I'm not really up on my social media kind of stuff. You know, the the, the snap chat and the uh, FaceTime and all that stuff. So, uh, but I will tell you this. Every player uh, has their own personal feelings about different things. Uh, of course, I would imagine, as you probably would, Lamar would be disappointed that we traded away his probably one of his best friends, at least one of his best friends on the team, somebody from his hometown, uh, somebody that he's very close with. Uh, now, in saying that, um, as I said on the first night of the draft, uh, what we try to do in every case is, communicate with players before we do anything or make any moves that might affect them. So uh, I feel really good about our position from that standpoint, but uh, it's got to be tough. And it is tough sometimes when you move on from players. I've felt that as a GM and never as a professional athlete, um, but I felt that as a GM, how difficult it is sometimes to move on from a a, a player. And so uh, I fully understand any frustration that players may have in the end. What I've got to always try to do is, uh, weigh one player's motivations versus the desires of his teammates. And uh, that's a challenge. It's a difficult job. And sometimes, uh, in, in, in many ways, you're destined to lose. So, um, you know, you do what you can for the organization. You do what you can for the roster. You do what you can for your players. And you hope for the best. We continue with Ravens Executive VP and GM Eric DaCosta here on Sports with Coleman. With all the picks you had in the fourth round this year, was there any thought about using one of those last year on a running back or maybe two younger than the ones you brought in after J.K. and Gus went down so suddenly? Well, you know, I think, um, number one, it's hard to predict players getting hurt. And, you know, J.K. is a young player. Justice is a young player. Gus is a young player. I believe all those guys are fairly young. And, um, you know, we, we, we felt that we were in great shape heading into last season um, at that position. We also had some other younger players on the roster as well. And they did, it didn't work out. And they all suffered season-ending injuries, traumatic injuries in different ways. Um, and saying that, we're excited about where we think they'll be this year. We did have some backs this year that we liked in the draft um, last week. Uh, we were focused on a couple guys. 
fortunately, we were able to get a guy, um, really the last man standing, a guy that we're very excited about, uh, Beatty, out of Missouri. It's an amazing story, actually, and I was shocked when I heard it for the first time. This was a kid who uh, grew up in Louisiana, in New Orleans, was a Katrina kid, and was forced to relocate here in Baltimore and actually went to the Friends School. And so uh, kind of a neat story. He spent um, most of his, some of his middle school and high school years here in Baltimore. And I was blown away when I watched his tape. Uh, as a runner, we saw quickness and balance, good vision, speed, acceleration, uh, good hands. And this guy, I think, has a chance to really be a pretty good player for us. He's got a really, really good skill set, uh, excellent contact balance to absorb tacklers, and, uh, and we think this guy really fits into our mix pretty well with the guys we have. And in watching that film with Joe Ortiz, I, th- I saw him throw more than one nasty stiff arm as well, so looking forward to seeing him on the field. Now, you had Peter King in the war room at least for the fourth round. I don't know how comfortable you were with that, but I'll expect an invite next year. But the comments from Steve Bishotti about all the academic All-Americans you took was funny because uh, I guess he felt like he could hold a conversation with someone besides you and John and Sashi. Yeah, you know, I just think that he's sometimes a little bored by our conversation, you know, as smart as he is, um, you know, with that Salisbury education, um, you know, I think he thinks we're kind of dull and boring. So uh, having Charlie, you know, who's a very, very intelligent, comes from a very smart family of professors, um, you know, I think it'll give him somebody. He can talk about molecular physics and, you know, biochemistry um, with Charlie and, uh, and leave the football to us. Now, I know that Sashi Brown has come on. I don't know what his role was in the draft room. Maybe he's just starting to integrate himself inside that castle. He's been there for a while. In other words, does he sort of hold the same type of duties that Dick Cass had and stays out of the football end of things and focuses more on the business side, or is it a little bit different now? Well, I would say it's very similar. You know, Sashi's a very smart guy like Dick. I think he's very cerebral. Uh, he did a nice job coming in and, and observing and offering his opinion when warranted. Uh, he's a good communicator. He's a very bright guy, easy to get along with, uh, well, lots of different experiences, which will be very helpful in different ways. And he's just been a pleasure to work with. We're very excited. Um, you know, I do miss seeing Dick every day in the building, but I think Sashi's going to be a, a great addition to the club. Now, speaking of the business side, I've heard people on this very radio station think that the Ravens, you know, just don't have enough money to spend on free agents or pay other players. Uh, Do you want to set the record straight? Well, I think, you know, we've spent money. Uh, We've re-signed a lot of our own players in the last few years. In fact, Jerry, you being around as long as you have, uh, you probably would have to admit you've never seen the Ravens invest so much money in homegrown players over the last three years. Nope. Um, as we have. And uh, I, th- I think that speaks volumes. We've never been an organization that's really spent a lot of money in free agency. Quite honestly, it's never been our mentality. Um, we've always been a very draft-centric team, and uh, I-, I think we'll continue to be that way. I understand that at times it's nice to make the, quote, sexy signing and go after those big-name guys. That's really never been our style. And uh, we'll always be a team that sees the value in lots of draft picks, young, homegrown players that our fan base can, can grow accustomed to and really look up to over time, and then try to sign as many of those guys back again, a la Marcus Peters, um, Marlon Humphrey, um, 
guys like that, guys like Nick Boyle, guys like Mark Andrews, uh, Ronnie Stanley, players like that um, that start out here, although Marcus didn't start out here, but younger players that uh, we have a good comfort level with, who we know, who play at a high level, uh, those are typically the type of guys we've had great success signing uh, long-term. Well, I know it's a delicate situation with Sam Cook because he's been so entrenched in the Ravens for so long, the longest tenured player. How are you going to handle things? I know you called him before the draft. I don't anticipate there's going to be a competition at punter, especially after seeing the film on Jordan Stout and knowing what he could do, not only in terms of kickoffs, but punting. But could there be a position maybe for Sam going forward in the organization? Well, you know, he was a linebacker, Jerry, uh, at one point. You need a linebacker's coach? Well, he might play linebacker. Oh, okay. You know, like, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Sam, I mean, he can throw the ball, too. You've seen him throw the ball. Yes, very multidimensional. He's a multifaceted player. I think there'll be more to come, I think, uh, on that in the future. Uh, I will say this about Sam. There's probably no player who we've ever had uh, in my time here that I would say that I've admired as much or, or more than Sam Cook. And so he does everything the right way. He's a true professional. Uh, he's been a leader throughout his tenure here, smart, tough, uh, great character. So uh, there'll be some things probably in the coming weeks that we can discuss. But at this point, uh, I think we're good where we are, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, last thing for you, the AFC. It's completely different than the way it looked at the end of February uh, with the addition of some of these quarterbacks and obviously the draft. What do you think about this conference and the way it shapes up and a lot of people just feel like whoever wins this conference is going to win the Super Bowl, which we always know is not the case. Well, it's going to be a dogfight, but we expect that. And, uh, you know, regardless of the moves that teams make in the offseason, we feel like every single year is a challenge. First and foremost, we want to win our division. Not going to be easy. And then you look at these other teams, and uh, as you say, uh, there's some strong, strong teams. We're excited about the challenge. We've got a lot to prove. We understand that we disappointed last year in different ways, and we expect to rebound fully this year and be the best team we can be. Hey, Eric, I really appreciate you doing this and taking the time when you didn't have to. But then again, you guys did draft me last in your media mock draft a few years ago. haven't forgotten that. I reminded Joe about it, too. So I have thick skin, and I really thank you for coming on tonight. Well, you know, Jerry, there were definitely character concerns about you at that point. And, and the other thing was... Stop talking to my you're bosses. You're just so skinny. Like, get to the gym, put on some weight, get stronger. You know, I mean, there's a chance maybe that you could be drafted, but you just haven't shown the willingness or the desire to put yourself in position to be a top pick. Yeah, Jim and I are just not friends, but I am pretty good on the tennis court. Do you play tennis? I know you're excellent at squash, but if you ever want to... You know, I have do. a grudge match on the tennis court. We can settle it there. Can we sell tickets, maybe? Absolutely. We'll make it a charity event. There you go, Jerry. There you go. I like that idea. All right, we'll set a date. Eric, I appreciate your time this evening. I know you're very busy. Thank you. Take care, Jerry. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Eric DaCosta joining us here on Sports with Coleman. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.